Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. I don't know the first thing about investing my money, and it is all so overwhelming, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I love that Acorns makes it so easy, and how you don't need a lot of money to get started. So head to acorns.com creepers, or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Paid non-client endorsement may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com creepers. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC, Acorns, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. All right, so la- oh, we got to do intros. Okay. Me 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 me. The tip of the tongue. The rain in Spain. <laughs> Stays mainly in the plains. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real-life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. I wish we could list all of the things we do also talk about. Waffle <laughs> from serial killers to con artists to Waffle House, the Fast and Furious to Nancy Grace, <laughs> Robert Durst, <laughs> my mom. I mean, the list goes on. And on <laughs> truly. Hey, guess what? What? The people are clamoring about our bonus episode. <laughs> they are. If you, I, I've had several people message me that are like, "I really want to listen to the bonus episode," and I'm like, "You gotta join the yeah, Patreon." What sorry. you think? And these are like people I know, like people in my real life. I'm like, you got to join the Patreon if you want to listen to it. I was kind of nervous about it, too. If you don't know, we did the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. That was the August bonus episode. I did not work with her at the Waffle House, (laughs) which is what I thought maybe at first. Go check it out on our Patreon. But I was kind of nervous because I was like, man, this is like, is are they going to be like, ugh, one more time, like somebody else covers this. But I just feel like you have a very unique perspective. And somebody commented on our Patreon and was like, they said that they loved your reactions because it was like reliving the shock of hearing the story for the first time. Yeah. So uh, and I totally agree, like you just being like, utterly bamboozled when it became clear because where the story was going. So was unbelievable. It's so unbelievable. Right. I know. I know. And I, I just know that story so well. And I've, I've heard it so many times. And I've researched it so much. I actually was writing for a writing competition that I was doing. My theme that I had to do was trapped or like claustrophobia or something. And so I was basically writing like a fictionalized version of Gypsy. And so just, ugh. yeah, it's a wild story. And if you want to hear MoGab's reactions, go uh, check it out on our Patreon, where we now have 12 bonus episodes up for you at the $5 level and above. 
And we've got a bunch of mini creeps up. And you can get a card. You can basically get a love letter from Kristen and I. So get a love letter. Yeah, people, go sign up for the Patreon because if you're not, what are you even doing anymore? What are you even doing? Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Well, tonight we're talking about a story that I don't even know what to title yet because it's so different from our usual stories, to be honest. And this is an episode from Houston. (gasps) Yes. Is this part of your, what was your series called? (laughs) Oh, I never finished that series. My non-consecutive series of women in the Clear Lake Lake women who snapped. Yeah, no, she's not a Clear Lake woman. She's actually a River Oaks woman that we're talking about tonight. Oh, she's the kind of woman that looks down on the Clear Lake women (laughs) because if anywhere's more pretentious than Clear Lake, it'd be that River River Oaks. Oaks. We'll get into a little bit of how 2020 describes River Oaks, which is really funny. Wait, there was an episode of 2020 on this called "Love at First Sting." There was also an episode of 48 Hours, but I just read the transcript of that. And there was also an episode of Dateline, but I didn't know about that until I was already done with the script. So I didn't <laughs> watch that. the Dateline <laughs> episode. Mostly I pulled from clips from the trial and newspaper articles from the time. This entire trial is on YouTube, like the whole thing. I love so that. I watched a lot of that, uh, watched, uh, read a lot of newspaper articles um, about the trial. Uh, well, OK, I'm going to be honest here. When I say I watched a lot of it, I mean... I watched like five or 10 minutes of each testimony and then I went and read a summary. <laughs> yeah. That seems what to be said. the most time effective. I, well, there's I just, feel yeah. like I should know this. Like, I mean, obviously, I know that I don't know any of this, which is why I'm here, but this feels like something I maybe have tangentially heard of. Well, and I was totally unfamiliar with it too. This is, I had never heard of this case. It was nowhere on my radar. Yeah, you hear that people come flame Kristen. <laughs> This wasn't that long ago. So this was in like 2016, 17. All right. 48-year-old Valerie McDaniel was described by friends as an amazing human being, someone that they felt honored to consider a friend, kind of like how I feel about you. Oh, stop saying. It's mutual. (laughs) It's mutual. Oh. From the outside looking in, it seemed like she was living the dream. She and her husband, Marion McDaniel, who for obvious reasons went by Mac. 
owned a successful veterinary clinic on Montrose, and she spent her weekends on Tiki Island near Galveston in her $700,000 beach home where she'd invite all her friends over. It was always a good time. Is this story about me in the future? No. God, no. (laughs) No. No. Don't relate. Do not relate to this. I'm trying not to, but you're (laughs) speaking my language. Valerie and Mac had been married for 17 years. It had started with a beautiful fairy tale wedding. They moved into a house that Valerie's parents bought for them. And soon after, Valerie decided that she wanted to open up her own clinic. And so her and Mac went in together on that. In 2008, they adopted their daughter when she was two days old. And Valerie was so happy. Their family was finally coming together. But ever since then, it had been falling apart. It seemed like Mac was always doing his own thing, like hunting. He really liked to go hunting. But Valerie was certain he was having an affair. Sniff it out, Val. Sniff it out. She didn't have to sniff very hard because around 2014, she said a woman called her at the clinic and told her that she'd slept with Mac and had proof of their affair. And she said she wasn't the only one. She had a list of names of women that Mac had slept with. Wait a second. Something is buzzing in my brain about this. Hmm. I feel like maybe... Do you know a case that I don't know? I don't know. (laughs) I can't really place it, but I feel like there might be something about a website. Keep going. No, nothing about a website. Okay. All right. People around her knew about the adultery, and her friends and employees said it was hard to watch someone in that much pain. Valerie had confronted Mac about the cheating, and he'd sworn he'd never do it again, and Valerie forgave him, and then she caught him making out with another woman (sighs) inside their home. Oh, hell no. Once again, she forgave him, or at least she said she did, but she was miserably unhappy. Inside the house? Inside their home. That's why God made a Waffle House, everybody. (laughs) And a parking lot. (laughs) Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Specifically. Preferably the parking lot, not the booth. But if you keep it to two people, I'll allow it since you're not pulling (laughs) up a chair at the end of the booth. Which, you know, is my pet peeve. Fully clothed and fully. So, (laughs) which is more important? No chair pulled up to the booth or staying fully clothed? No chair pulled up to the booth. And, and. I don't even care if the clothes are barely covering as long as you don't order a hot chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Go to your nearest Waffle House. (laughs) In December of 2014, Valerie filed for divorce, citing personality conflicts and adultery. And by (laughs) August of 2016, the divorce was finalized. And Valerie and her daughter moved into a two-bedroom condo in a luxury complex in River Oaks. A neighborhood that 2020 calls the Beverly Hills of Houston. Yeah. I mean, truly. Truly. Wait, can we back up? Do you think the personality conflicts were caused by the adultery? Like, (laughs) I don't, I feel like you could just mark adultery and the others implied. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know I did kind of find it odd that there was also, like, I think the adultery is enough, Valerie. Adultery. You don't need to pile on here, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I bet. River Oaks is where you'll find the elite, the old money, the one percenter types, and then also Joel Osteen. He's over there. And the bushes, right? They used to be. I don't know. Wait, he's in the bushes? (laughs) Sorry. George, Barbara, the bushes. Oh, oh, I thought you meant Joel Osteen was in the bushes. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) 
God. <laughs> Those bushes. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> the only bushes. Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> well, we just talked. We just did the. Oh no, that's in this. That's in this episode. Never mind. <laughs> oh no, what? Bushes will come into play, but not those bushes. <laughs> so, okay. So Valerie's getting divorced. She's moving into a condo with her daughter in River Oaks. And then Valerie met Leon Jacob. Don't get attached just because his name is Leon. Yeah. Valerie was living next door to Leon's mother, Gilda Jacob, who also happened to be her divorce attorney. And that's how Valerie and Leon were introduced. He was eight years younger than her. And Valerie said that when she first met him, she was completely turned off by his attitude. He really reminds me of somebody. I bet you'll be able to figure it out, but I'm not going to say who it is. Well, then I already know. (laughs) (laughs) She said he was the cockiest person she'd ever met, and she was disgusted, but also drawn to him at the same time. I already know who you're referring to. If I cannot say I have been there. (laughs) You've been there, and then you pulled us in with you. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For years. (laughs) Leon said he first noticed he was attracted to her when he saw her in a bathing suit. And I'm sure he's the first man to ever have that realization. (laughs) Wow. What a keeper, please. Uh, Yeah. But Valerie said the more she got to know Leon, the more she realized what a nice guy he was, that he wasn't that cocky attitude he tried to portray at all. She really liked what was underneath, and this new relationship really helped her get through her divorce. Leon had also recently split up with his girlfriend of several years, and Valerie filled that void for him, too. Valerie said it all started when he sat across from her. (laughs) Such an odd thing to say, I feel like, but (laughs) you tell me. She said it all started when he sat across from her, and they were having some wine, and she'd propped her feet up on the chair next to him. Just They were just chatting. And then he reached out and ran his finger up her left foot. And she said that was it. It was like a movie moment for her. She just fell hard Uh, in that moment. I mean, I want to say it's weird, but I I just, you know, (laughs) in the last year found out about people's OnlyFans with feet. So (laughs) sounds like literally anything goes these days. Right. Yes. You don't need an OnlyFans for feet. There's another website that's totally devoted to feet pics. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh. It's called Feet Finder. The real market. Oh, wait, stop it. <laughs> yeah, there's a real market out there and you don't have to show your face. So, you know, some people might have looked into it a little bit when they were hard up for cash. Somebody might be creating an account after this episode because we know what I'm trying to fund. Uh, exactly. Valerie said that Leon listened to her. She was lonely and he was there being everything she needed. And soon Leon had moved into her condo. They cooked together. They shared a bank account. They even told what? people that they planned to get married. Already? Yeah. yeah. And this is like after, I think just after a few months. The timeline before they moved in together is a little iffy. But I think she got divorced in August of 2016. And it was like early January or late December that he moved in with her. I just can't believe that a shared bank account. Like, I feel like people in River Oaks aren't just like sharing bank accounts with any old scrub. I know. Yeah, I know. Valerie's friends did not like Leon at all. Valerie's first impression of Leon, the super cocky with the terrible attitude, that was the impression everyone around her had of him. And they didn't see another side. Her friend Maggie said that he was very arrogant and full of himself. She said she'd never seen anything quite like it. 
Yikes. She tried to warn Valerie about him, but she wouldn't listen. She was too far into the love bubble. They both loved astronomy and they had a telescope in their apartment where they'd look at the constellations together. They seemed to, you know, seem to have this great relationship. Well, then I hope she pulled their birth charts, star charts, and, you know. Well, astronomy. No, I not. know, but I mean, <laughs> just anything. Like, maybe mm -hmm. find any reason to figure out if you're compatible or not. Right. Well, they were only living together in that condo for two months before Valerie jumped from her balcony <gasps> on the seventh floor on March 27th, 2017. No. Was she? She was pushed. No, she jumped. Everyone around her was in complete shock. Coworkers held a vigil at the veterinarian clinic on Montrose. Her close friends could not believe it. Leon said he had no idea why she'd done this, but they lived together. They had a joint bank account. They told everyone they were getting married, but he had no idea. But then police found an audio journal on her iPad that explained everything. An audio journal? Yeah. It basically was like a suicide note in audio yeah. form. She talked about falling deeply in love with Leon, who could be charming and disarming. She said that she had two great loves in her life, her daughter and Leon. On 2020, the reporter that was interviewing Leon told him that he seemed like a Svengali, and he definitely took that as a compliment. He was Gosh. like, big grins over here. He said, quote, Without sounding like a pompous ass, I've always understood women really well, and they've always liked me. Mm, I bet. I bet. Yeah. He said it's because he respects women, and most, most men don't do that, and so he's, he stands mm -hmm. out. He's different, you know? I love when men tell women how much women love them. I know. <laughs> I know. Brad Garrett was a former FBI profiler that they had on 2020. And he says men like Leon present well. They will always be able to get into a relationship because they put so much energy into it at, at first. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, Leon grew up rich, like rich, rich. Right. He attended Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire for high school. I googled best private schools in the U.S. and Phillips Exeter Academy was number six on the list. Like it's like $60,000 a year to go there. That's insane. Winter breaks, he was skiing in Vail. It was Maine for the summertime. He described himself as a very driven type A alpha male with a heart of gold. And I think describing yourself as an alpha male automatically deletes you from that category. Yeah, you automatically <laughs> don't have a heart of gold. And you're automatically not an alpha male because yeah. alpha males, if there are such a thing, don't refer to themselves, refer to themselves as, as alpha male. Leon's dream was to become a surgeon like his father, who had died when Leon was just 13. So he got his undergrad at the University of Texas in Austin, where he met a woman named Annie, who would become his college sweetheart and then later his first wife. She said they'd have so much fun together, and Leon was really spontaneous, and she loved that. But when they fought, they fought. That's that passion. Mm-hmm. After their undergrad, Leon went to medical school at St. George University in Granada, an island in the Caribbean, which maybe tells me that there were a lot of rejections from a lot of other medical schools. I don't know. I'm trying to go on an island. I don't think Granada was his first choice. <laughs> <laughs> While he was in Granada going to medical school, Annie was in New York going to law school. At some point, they got married. 
Leon described their relationship as fight, 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 love, love, love. But he's just romanticizing a volatile relationship, making it seem like they were angsty. You know, the fighting, the making up. And these ideas, like you said before, that these relationships are so full of passion and that's why mm-hmm. they're worth having. That's but what people I, say. Right. And I think we're we're starting to recognize that these patterns do not signify passionate love. They signify toxicity. And people get it confused. And they think that like a good relationship they're bored by because mm-hmm. they think that they should have that, you know. Spark. That fire. <laughs> Right, and a spark and fire is fine, but not to the point but of... But an atomic bomb is a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little flame, not, not, a, not an atomic bomb. Annie's lawyer wrote that, quote, Leon is guilty of extreme and repeated mental cruelty without cause of provocation by Annie. Hmm. And things just got worse when he came to New York to do hospital rotations while Annie was in law school there. His temper got worse, and with it came some very controlling behavior. She said there were incidents where he would just, like, throw her clothes off the balcony, and during one fight, he pulled a knife on her, and she was scared that he was going to come after her with the knife. In 2006, they moved to Houston so that Leon could take a residency there, and they had their first son, James, in 2009, and things just got worse from there. Weird. I always thought kids fixed everything. (laughs) Right. Yeah. At this point, Annie is not only the breadwinner of the family, she's also doing all of the domestic labor by herself. All of it. He's not helping with the baby or the grocery shopping or the cooking or the cleaning or literally anything. She said that he had a hard time giving up his freedom and free time to help with the family. What? It's it's non-optional, sir. (laughs) not an option (laughs) catch me having a baby and working and then mopping (laughs) over my dead body yeah no kidding and being the only one working yeah but also doing everything else yeah and things escalated he started getting physical he'd grab her arms he'd kick her he pushed her up against the wall she'd always make up stories for the bruises if anyone asked And she felt that leaving would put her and the baby in even more danger. And he would constantly threaten her that if she ever left, he'd kill her or he'd take the kids and she'd never see them again. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about how why didn't you leave is a question that we cannot ask. Why didn't you just leave? I love how much we talk about that and focus on it in episodes because I know I've never said that before, but I am sure I've thought it way before just I ever leave got him. into Why that. don't you just leave him? Yeah. yeah. I just never realized how harmful that thought and statement can be. So important. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And this wasn't like some fantastic, well-respected doctor by day, terrible husband by night. No, Leon was terrible at all of it. In January of 2009, the University of Texas didn't renew his residency for a whole bunch of reasons including having a false overconfidence that jeopardized his decision-making. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that was, like, something that your university could weigh in on. I know. Lying about his <laughs> patients, failing to – no, this was a great one, too. Failing to acknowledge his deficiencies or correct them. We think you're a pompous ass, is what that should said, on University of Texas letterhead. 
yeah, a pompous ass and you're going to kill somebody because, because you, of it. Yeah. Yes. Being unprofessional, lying about having performed certain procedures that he'd never performed, being argumentative with the hospital staff. He asked a chief resident to make out in the hall. <gasps> Wait, how are they documenting all this? Like, who's turning all this in? Where are they getting <laughs> well, this? It's HR. Like <laughs> God. He was removed from working with students after he told one about the size of his penis, <gasps> talked to her about his visits with sex workers in Mexico, and about different sexual positions. Ew. Uh, God, he's so skeevy. So skeevy. By 2010, he was let go from training and his physician and training certificate was terminated, which I don't really know what that means because he did go on to get another residency, but they... Um, <clears throat> oh my god listen i understand you have to cut that but cut it and put it in a folder somewhere oh my god oh my god where's the list of all the things he's lied about like being married or engaged or having a trust fund (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Annie. (laughs) Ah, Annie. (laughs) No, I can't. I need like two more seconds. Maybe I'll just bleep it and explain that the person that Leon reminded me of, I just accidentally called him. Yeah. Yeah. It's too good not to. (laughs) Okay. Annie and Leon moved to Pittsburgh. By this time, they have two sons, James and Cash. And Annie is basically a single mom. She's completely supporting the family and continues to do all the care tasks while Leon just drinks and gambles all day. And whose money is he gambling with? Oh, surely not his. Annie's. He spent tens of thousands of her dollars gambling. That was food, money, daycare money, rent money. And then Leon moved to Youngstown, Ohio, so that he could start a residency there at Northside Medical Center. I'm not super clear if Annie and the kids came with him. I don't think they did, and all that uprooting cannot be good for her career, which I believe she's a lawyer. She, I know she went to law school. I'm not really sure what she was doing for work, but I believe she was a lawyer. But I guess you can't because the bar, I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> and she's the one doing everything while he's like blowing yeah. it all, you know. She's doing something because she's funding the gambling. Right, yeah. While at this residency in Youngstown, he started an affair with one of his co-workers, Patricia Gooden. One night, Patricia's son started having a really hard time breathing and her husband, Darren, wanted to take him to the ER, but Patricia wouldn't go because, because Leon was there. And so when Darren left the ER with his son, he noticed Leon following him home. He'd been introduced to him before and he recognized his car. And after this, he was like really suspicious and he went through Patricia's phone, which is how he learned about their affair. And he filed for divorce, but Patricia continued to see Leon until his true color started to show. And she said that when they fought, it was scary. And Patricia wasn't the only one having to deal with Leon's crap. Yeah. Darren, her now ex-husband, had to take a restraining order out on him because Leon had followed him around, threatened to kill him. Threatened to blow up his house. But meanwhile, he's still with Annie? Yeah, he's still with Annie. And I believe Annie's out in Pittsburgh. And so she's unaware of all this. Right. And probably doesn't care. Yeah. I can't imagine she cares. I can't imagine caring. 
Maybe she would be like, yes, leave me for her. And then that'll make everything easier for me. Right. I don't have to be the one to do it. So I don't put myself in danger. Which is probably why she doesn't know. Because he realizes. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah. Leon would bribe Patricia and Darren's children to run away when it was their time with their dad to Ugh. run away to their house. And when they did just that, Leon punched Patricia's son in the chest twice with the intent to blame Darren and say that that's why the kids ran away because Darren had punched him. Oh, my God. And get child endangerment charges against him. That's insane. Yeah, it backfired and Darren was granted full custody of the kids. It was less than a year of this residency in Ohio before Leon was put on probation and asked to undergo a psychiatric evaluation for lying about patient care during a surgery and for an overall lack of medical knowledge. <laughs> I just like I'm not understanding that. Yeah, they said that he didn't even have a basic scientific background. Wow. On top of that, he repeatedly showed disrespect to peers, supervisors, and subordinates. There is a podcast that I know you've never seen. They turned it into a show. It's one of those guys. It was called Dr. Death, and it was set in, not set, but it was like based, the case was based in Dallas. Mm. And it was this doctor who was, I mean, you kind of form your own opinion. I think so overconfident that he could do it, that he would perform these surgeries where he had no skill at all, and he just butchered all these patients. I mean, they oh came my out of there paralyzed. Some died. I mean- it was terrible. And he reminds me so much of that. How that is that surgeon. happening? Like, because he was some type of surgeon, like some type of neurosurgeon or something where there just isn't a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, even if you're the worst neurosurgeon we've ever seen, like, we'll still take you on staff because you are trained to be one. But in reality, he his training was, was very minimal. And, and yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. In 2011, Leon's supervisors found him to be an immediate threat to patient safety, and he was fired. Leon sued, but a judge ruled against him and said, quote, the likelihood of harm to the hospital's patients is significant if Dr. Jacob is restored to his previous employment. It is not in the public's interest to return Dr. Jacob to the residency program for reasons of his deficiencies and apparent inability to acknowledge or correct these deficiencies. I mean, listen, dude, you gotta, you gotta change your line of work. Go change your major, okay? Because <laughs> this isn't working out. When confronted with this statement, Leon said that those statements were from people who wanted him out pretty badly. And I'd say he's right about that. Yeah. They wanted him out pretty badly. For yeah. good reason, though. Right. Nancy Grace said, Oh, that's Leon Jacob. It's always somebody else's fault. <laughs> She's less screamy there, but she gets screamy later. Don't you worry. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a crescendo. <laughs> of sorts. In 2012, Leon was arrested and charged with burglary at the home of a hospital administrator, a person he thought was out to get him. He pled guilty to criminal trespass, and I think he just got probation for that. And he just continued to believe that he was being wronged by the system. Back in Pittsburgh, he continued to be an abusive force in his family's life. On Annie's birthday, the two little boys, the, I, I ended up including this story because I think it just really shows what he's like. Yeah. On Annie's birthday, the two little boys, they came into their room and woke them up early 
And Annie said to Leon that she never gets to sleep in and it would be a nice gift on her birthday to let her sleep in. He freaked out on her. He pushed her into the guest room across the hall, pushed her onto the bed, screaming at her. He lifted the mattress off the bed, rolling her onto the floor, (gasps) threw the mattress on top of her, and then threw her some pillows and blankets and said, you can sleep there. Oh, my gosh. And then he got into his bed and laid in there all day just to spite her. Like, just because she said she wanted to sleep in. Yeah, like. He, I mean, this is ridiculous, but he could have even said, like, no, we have a lot to do today. Or but you, like, right. got physical about a, a You're, comment. like, so outraged that she would even, suggest like, deign it. to suggest. Yeah. On her birthday, another incident resulted in Leon pinning Annie to the bed and holding a razor to her throat in front of their oldest son, James. After she managed to get away with him, she grabbed her baby, Cash, and went into the baby's room to change his diaper. And while she was in there, Leon started barricading the door, (sighs) trapping her in this room, and told her the only way she was going to leave was in a body bag. And he ended up letting her out like half an hour later after that. But that's when Annie started making a plan to leave. And that's how you need to do it. When you're in a situation like this, people are like, why don't you just leave? You need a plan. If you're going to leave, you need to make a plan. And so in August of 2013, she opened up a new bank account and she transferred her direct deposit over there so Leon wouldn't have access. But when he found out, he went absolutely ballistic. He threw a toolbox at her. Luckily, she ducked and it missed her. She didn't get hurt, but she did get a protection order against him after this, which was later dropped after Leon agreed to let her leave Pittsburgh with the kids. And so she took them. She went to Chicago where her parents lived. She got another order of protection as soon as she got to Chicago. And in the fall of 2013, after 11 years of this marriage, she filed for divorce. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh. And I know. But she's like out, you know. She's like, yeah, I'm done. And you, and Leon- you have to have a plan because nothing is worse than you try and then you don't have maybe a plan and they find you or they find find you trying to get out or whatever. And then it's the retaliation is so much worse. And if you have no idea where to even start, if you're listening to this and you recognize these signs and you're like, I wouldn't even know where to begin to make a plan. There are resources, the domestic violence hotlines. You can contact them when you are safe to do so and they can help you make a plan. They can help. They can help you. So please reach out for help. Do not stay in a situation like this. And their website, yeah. too, has that button that you can You can get out of it immediately. immediately. And it doesn't mm-hmm. show up on, like, your history, right? The right. Browsing history. I don't yeah. think so. I Double check. I'll, I'll double check that. But, yeah, they've put a lot of safeguards in place to, to help pe- keep people looking for their services safe. Yeah. Yeah. And Leon did not take this divorce well. Annie pressed charges for aggravated stalking and intimidation and said that he sent numerous and repeated calls, texts, and emails that were threatening to harm her. Some days it was hundreds of texts and calls a day. And if Annie ignored them, he'd threaten her and her family. He said he'd torture her parents in front of her. Oh, my gosh. He'd come to Chicago and drive by her parents' house. And if her car wasn't in the driveway, he'd start blowing up her phone to try to figure out where she was. Annie started to record these phone calls so she could take them to the police. And he was arrested in 2014 in Chicago, where he was not supposed to be and charged with stalking and cyber-stalking. 
Leon said she went overboard with her complaints about him, that this is all just very exaggerated. And he just pleaded guilty to attempted cyber harassment. He served his probation for attempted cyber harassment and the other charges were dismissed, which is really shocking, you know, since we know how seriously police generally take stalking cases. So I was very surprised. That's sarcasm. (laughs) His life was completely falling apart, both personally and professionally and legally. Houston ADA Samantha Net Necht, 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 calls him a danger as a physician and a danger out in the community. Danger to society, if you will. Mm -hmm. While his divorce proceedings were going on, he started dating a woman named Megan Veracos. They met in Pittsburgh, but sometime in 2014, they moved down to Houston and they lived together for a couple of years. Leon got a job at Houston's Methodist Hospital, but then he mislabeled a donor organ and also had clear anger management issues, so he was fired. And, of course, his anger management issues were not exclusive to work. He took them home with him to Megan now. Mostly it was verbal abuse in the first first couple of years, but by Uh 2016, it was escalating to physical threats. Megan worked at a hotel, and once again, Leon was living off of her money. She started getting really frustrated at his lack of a job, and this led to a lot of fights which eventually led to the end of their relationship after a fight so big that police were called. According to the police report, he grabbed her face with enough force to bust her upper lip. And then when she cried out in pain, he said, shut up, you dumb expletive. And I'm not sure which expletive because that was what was in the police report, but I'm sure we can all assume. Yeah, I got some ideas. According to the police report, Leon admitted to putting his hand over her mouth but then now he says he never put his hands anywhere near her he meant he put his hand like up to her mouth not over it and that during this fight when he was just trying to calm her down and she bit down on his finger and that's how she bit her own lip in the process of biting his finger but either way i mean no but either way you're still in a physical altercation yeah She got a protective order, and he was charged with assault. Megan's entire family was in Pittsburgh, so she didn't really have any support system in Houston. So she went to stay with Leon's sister, Leslie. And one night, there was a knock on the door, and Leslie, his sister, thought it was some food getting delivered, but it was (laughs) Leon. And as soon as she opened the door, he pushed past her, screaming for Megan. And Leslie kept begging him to keep his voice down. They had a baby. She didn't want to she didn't want him to wake the baby, but he yeah. just kept screaming. Megan had taken off somewhere in the house to hide, and Leon was looking all over the place. Leslie was really scared that he was gonna find Megan because he was making it very clear that when he found her, he would hurt her. She called her husband, who told her to call the police if he didn't leave, and that's the only reason he finally left. And Megan had been hiding in a closet and was not found by him. <sighs> Those charges were dropped, and Leon continued to, as he says, pursue Megan. But by pursuing, he means stalking, Stalking. and he was later charged with stalking. He sent her an email from the email address, leonlovesmeganv at gmail.com. Oh, what the hell, babe? (laughs) (laughs) It said, I believe we can recover from this, but it's up to you. I sent you a list of things I can do to make this right, but I got no response. 
Instead, you tried to have me charged with crimes. How can you tell someone you love them so much and so often and then do that? We literally had sex the night before this incident, and you slept on my chest and told me how happy you were. That does not make sense. As if the fact that she slept with him and then told him he was happy meant that it was okay for him to assault her. Yeah. Megan said that he would hide in the bushes and wait outside her work. Here's oh, the bushes. Those bushes. Of the story. Yeah, these bushes. Leon said that there are no bushes outside her building, so she's lying. <laughs> this oh, is a God. man who says women so... like him because he respects them. He was already living with Valerie McDaniel, the veterinarian from the beginning of the story, mm-hmm. while he was being charged with stalking Megan. He was already living with her. So they'd yeah. already been together for several months. He'd already moved into her condo. They're talking about getting married. They're having joint bank accounts. And he's stalking his ex-girlfriend. Also in 2016, Leon filed for bankruptcy, and according to the bankruptcy filing, he said he was running a medical business at an apartment that he also listed as his home in the West University neighborhood, another very nice neighborhood in Houston. It's where my uncle lives. Uh, Okay. Nancy Grace said, when I hear he has a medical degree, I immediately think, oh, where is he practicing medicine? Nowhere. (laughs) Nowhere. 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 Can my mom be related to Nancy Grace in some way? Yes. 100%. They are long lost sisters. (laughs) Yeah. He's like practicing medicine out of his apartment. (laughs) What? Thank goodness he wasn't around for the time of telehealth because that could also be really bad. Oh, yikes. And if these felony stalking charges go through, these ones from uh, Megan, He's going to lose his medical license and never be able to practice medicine. So as Valerie and Leon are looking at the constellations in their telescope, Leon is trying to figure out a way out of these stalking charges. And he figures the best way would be to just get rid of Megan. No Megan, no charges. Valerie doesn't know about them? Not yet. Not yet. She will. And then he was connected with a guy named Zach. Now... Zach was actually Moataz Aze, who goes by Taz, though Leon knew him as Zach, but we're going to call him Taz. Good, because I like Taz. That's kind of why I made that choice, too. (laughs) He was born in Chicago, but he grew up in Jordan and then to Houston for high school. He actually went to Clear Brook High School, which is only important because that's the high school my house is zoned to. And he's also my same age, maybe a year older. He was 32 in 2018. So I'm going to need all my Clearbrook people to let me know they knew a guy named Taz at school. Slide in those DMs. Slide in those DMs. After school, Taz joined the Army. He eventually became an Army sergeant and the recipient of a Purple Heart after his Humvee ran over a roadside bomb while deployed in Iraq. He was discharged in in 2006, and he came back to Houston to get his degree in computer science. One day, Taz gets a call from a friend of a friend named Laura Thurlow. It's a long story about how she called, but basically, Laura had called Taz's friend's phone trying to get a hold of his friend Kenneth, but Kenneth had actually had a stroke the day before and died, and Taz had his phone, so when Laura called, Taz answered. Laura was looking for Kenneth because she was having issues with a guy named Leon Jacob, and she was hoping Kenneth could help. Taz asked her to tell him what was going on, and she said that she was a paralegal in her uncle's law office, and one day this Leon guy came into her office, 
and they became friendly. And Leon told her all about these bogus assault charges and stalking charges and how he needed them to go away. And he was hoping that she could introduce him to someone who could help. And at first, to her, it just seemed like a lovesick guy who wanted his girlfriend back. But then he started to use words like kidnap and syringe. (gasps) And Uh. Laura got really freaked out. So Leon started stalking Laura, calling her constantly, showing up unannounced at her office. And finally, she couldn't take it anymore, decided to reach out to Kenneth, who died the day before. I'm sorry. He thinks going to a law office is the best place to search essentially for a hitman? Well, where would you go? Anywhere but. (laughs) (laughs) No, you just give him a dollar and they can't arrest you. It's not a police station. I guess, yeah. But yeah, let's not shop for hitmen at all. Sounds like you have a preferred vendor list over there. (laughs) Yeah. John Cusack in, uh, what's that movie? (laughs) Oh. Play such a sweet hitman. Hitman with a soul, you know? <laughs> no. Point, gross point blank. It's a great movie. Gross point blank. It, it was the beginning of my crush on John Cusack. Oh, boy. <laughs> we, we don't have enough time to unpack that. No, we really don't. Taz thought he could help. So he told Laura to put him into contact with Leon, and he figured he could play along with him until he figured out what this guy really wanted. So Leon and Taz met up at a Del Frisco's Grill in River Oaks. and They have Leon- those there? <laughs> Apparently. And Leon paid him $2,500 to set up a kidnapping. Oh, Del Frisco's. I thought I was thinking of Del Taco. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Del, Del Frisco's is like nice. <laughs> I was like, Del Taco. <laughs> he wanted him to take Megan to a hotel And then bring him, Leon, to her so he could talk her out of these charges. Talk her into dropping the charges. No, 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 no. And if that didn't work, he planned to kill her with a syringe of potassium to the heart, which would induce a heart attack and kill her. And then Taz would make her disappear. Taz said that Leon was into the idea of doing it himself. Leon says that Taz was a private investigator he consulted with. So that's his story. Okay. Taz said he only went through with the meeting to protect the victim and make sure an actual hitman didn't kill her, but he didn't notify the victim of the danger or contact the police. And he ended up just taking another $2,500 from him, two Cartier watches and a laptop, and then he spent the money and disappeared into thin air. Okay, but I would say the key there would have been to obviously let Megan know and to, you know, like alert the authorities. But I could see thinking like, well, I'm going to respond so he doesn't go to someone that's actually going to do it. Right. Yeah. And that was, you know his, what I that's mean? what he says his thinking was exactly. Yeah. But then he missed some key steps along the way. He, he did. He did. He did. Once Leon realized that Taz had taken off with his money, he went to a local bondsman that he knew that also knew Taz. Michael Kubosh was a Houston City councilman who owned a private bail bond business, and he bonded out Leon on the stalking charge, and he once also bonded out Taz on a misdemeanor theft charge for stealing from his roommate. So in February of 2017, Leon went to Michael to try and find Taz, and he, well, Zach, he's calling him Zach, that's how, how mm-hmm. he knows him. So he asked for his phone number, and he said, I've paid Zach a lot of money to take care of something for me. And Kubosh knew Zach as Taz, so didn't know who he was talking about. 
just said, what did he take care of for you? And Leon had said, I want her out of the picture. She can't be testifying against me. (gasps) Kubash said he felt like he was talking to the devil himself when he was talking to him. Ugh. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As soon as Leon left, Kubosh called the, the chief of police and told them about Leon and that he'd asked for this Zach person. And police are able to figure out that Zach is Taz. I don't know how, but they figured it out. And so they bring him in and they talk and they talk and they talk. And finally, he agrees to help them get Leon. Yes, Kubosh. Yes. Well, (laughs) and Taz. Right. So Taz called Leon and said that he's outsourced the job to another hitman named Javier, who was, of course, an undercover cop with HPD, with Houston Police Department. Of course. Leon talks to Taz on this phone call that's being recorded by the police, and they work out the details of this new hitman. And then Leon asks him, are they going to work out both issues? Which Mm. makes detective undercover hitman Javier pause. (laughs) And he's like, both issues? Love that title for him. I hope his business cards are (laughs) large enough that it fits. As someone with a long title, I can relate. (laughs) And he's just thinking... What or who is this other issue? So Leon explained that his girlfriend Valerie was involved and wanted her ex-husband Mac killed. Hmm. So Leon agrees to meet up with Javier, but he was also getting a craving for like unlimited breadsticks and salad. (gasps) So they decide to have this meeting at... An Olive Garden! (laughs) Yes! The Olive Garden. Either that or Domino's. Or Waffle At House. At like three, three chain restaurant. <laughs> Not sponsored. But interested and yeah. available. <laughs> Let us know. 
At this meeting at the Olive Garden was Valerie, Leon, Taz, and Javier, the undercover cop. Valerie had come from work, so she was like in her scrubs with her name monogrammed on her scrub jacket. Like, oh, I love that. Clearly, she was not skilled at the secrecy. She wasn't trying to hide her identity at all as yeah. she's meeting with a hitman. At this meeting, Javier told them to call him Adam. That was his code name. Hmm. Leon told Javier on more than one occasion that he was far more important in this world than Megan, and so his survival was far more important than hers. At one point during this dinner, Leon and Taz went outside to take a cigarette break, leaving Javier and Valerie alone to talk. And Javier really wanted to feel out Valerie to see how involved was she in this. Was she just like doing it because Leon told her to? Does she really want this to go through? Like, what is she doing here? So Javier asked her, you know, are you sure you want to go through with this? And Valerie says that she doesn't have a choice because Mac was going to take her daughter away from her. And she was really worried about that. Hmm. So Javier said that it was going to be another $10,000 for Mac. But her divorce settlement had been brutal on Valerie's finances. She'd had to buy Mac out of the vet clinic and ended up having to take out a loan for $1.2 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they decided that Megan would go first. (laughs) And 2020 made a terrible joke that I must repeat here to you. And they said, instead of salad and breadsticks, two murders were ordered at the Olive Garden that day. (laughs) Ew. uh... I know. I know. It's only funny because nobody dies. Nobody dies. (laughs) But like, also. (laughs) I know. I know. Two murders were ordered at the Olive Garden that day. (laughs) They leave the Olive Garden. That night, Valerie and Mac got into a huge fight over their daughter. So Leon called up Detective Javier and told him to move Mac to the front of the line to take care of him before Megan. Because remember, they'd said they were going to do Megan first. Police immediately reached out to Mac to let him know what was up, that people were out there trying to kill him. What do you think that phone call is like? Mac? Yes. (laughs) I hate to be the one to break this to you, but your wife has hired a hitman to murder you. What? What? There's no way. Then Diesel, is that you? (laughs) They get him to agree to participate in the next stage of the police's plan. They Mm. stage pictures of him in his car, slumped over the steering wheel, his head facing the camera so you can see the fake bullet wound in his forehead. They took a few pictures in that pose, and then they had him get out and lie on the ground, and they took a few more pictures of him like that. Uh They also contacted Megan, who was in no way surprised that Leon had tried to hire a hitman to kill her. She knew that he had a very dangerous temper and he would explode. And she knew that now that she had cut off access to herself, that he had become obsessed with her. Megan also agreed to stage pictures of her being kidnapped. In the photos, she's sitting in a chair with duct tape across her mouth and her hands and feet are zip tied. And while she was posing for these photos, It like hit her what was going on and it all became real for her and she just became so scared and she started to break down and she's crying and she's trembling. Like she knows that this is staged, but it's like if the police hadn't caught on to them, this could have been her reality. My life. The next step for police was to tell Valerie and Leon that Mac had been killed. So Javier goes to tell them and when he told Valerie that her ex-husband was dead... 
She didn't say anything to him that would imply that, oh, this was a misunderstanding. I didn't want him dead. Like, I didn't think that. Yeah, like, oh, no. Right. I didn't think this would go that far. She just excused herself from the room. Javier asked Leon if he wanted to see proof pictures of Mac's murder. And he said he didn't want to see the pictures. Instead, he gave Javier another $1,800 for finishing the job. And now it was Megan's turn. Just kind of a disclaimer. The money here was all over the place. Every every single source said that they got different amounts at different times. So I don't actually know the total amount that was exchanged, but it was thousands of dollars. It's just that money is being exchanged. Right, right, exactly. Regularly to Javier. Exactly. Yes, to Taz and then now to Javier. To Javier. Later that same day, Javier sent pictures to Leon of Megan kidnapped, and he told him that she's so out of control, she has to be killed. And all Leon said was, I don't want to know anything. Leon, what do you mean? This is your whole shebang. Well, he's trying to say now that he didn't want her dead. He wasn't hiring Javier to kill her. He just... He wanted her kidnapped, and then he wanted to persuade her to drop these stalking charges so that he wouldn't lose his medical license. And if that didn't work, he wanted her to leave town. And she wasn't from there. He wanted her to go back to Pittsburgh, where she was from. And if that didn't work, then he had a a syringe full of potassium, you know. But he says that's not true, you know, obviously. Right. A few hours later, Javier came back to tell Leon that Megan was dead. And Leon said, OK, I'll talk to you later. And the conversation was being recorded. So even then, it's not like he's like, what? That is not what we agreed to. <laughs> Police weren't done with this whole sting operation. And I just have to think that they have enough to get Leon. Both cases were now closed. But I feel like they were just having too much fun. They really wanted to go the extra mile like, here. Well- yeah. Right. So now they have officers come and give Valerie a death notice for Mac. So the hitman has called mm-hmm. her to let her know that he's dead. But now police officers are coming to give her the death notice. Right. The officers, of course, know there's been no such death. Mac is very much alive. He's actually downstairs at this time, I think. But they want to <laughs> see how Valerie takes the news to make sure that she can't claim at trial that the hitman must have inter- misunderstood her and she never wanted him dead. And the ruse is all recorded on body cameras as they give her the news that the father of her child has been killed in what looks like a robbery gone wrong. The officers would usually expect someone at a death notice to, like, ask a lot of questions. How did this happen? How do you know it's him? You know, that kind of thing. Right. But Valerie just sat down in a chair with her head in her hands, which, I mean, also might be how I would expect somebody to react to news that their ex-husband, they just sit down, put their head in their hands. but. I don't know. I guess it just seems yeah, I mean, like she was expecting the news. I don't think this proves anything. I don't think this is more evidence. But it did show them that it kind of seemed like she was, you know. But of course, they already know she knows because they know Javier. So I don't really know what they were trying to do here. But right, she eventually looks up just enough to see that one of the officers in her apartment is Detective Javier with his HPD badge oh. around his neck. That's awkward. Yeah, so she (laughs) knew she'd been caught. The officers continue asking her some questions, and they finally ask if her boyfriend is awake. So Valerie goes to get Leon, and he comes out of the bedroom, and they inform him that Valerie's ex-husband had been found murdered in a robbery gone wrong. And one of the first things he says is, 
oh, wow, well, we were here all night and all day watching movies with her daughter, and I've only met the guy one time. Oh, it's so weird that he would kind of, like, offer that up. 2020 asked the ADA if it's strange for a man who hasn't been accused of anything to just offer up an alibi without being asked. And she, <laughs> she said, absolutely, that was great evidence for the prosecution. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I mean, I think the great evidence for the prosecution is all those recorded tapes with Javier <laughs> tapes. discussing the kidnapping. But The public meeting in the Olive Garden. <laughs> right. Perhaps. But police finally felt like they had enough, and they arrested them right there in the apartment. Leon is totally taken off guard. At first, the officers tell Leon and Valerie they're going to need them to come with them. And it's clear Leon thinks that they're only talking to Valerie, and he says, oh, I guess I'll just stay here then. And then the officer is huh. like, well, right now we're going to read you your rights. And he's like, me? Why? Me? What? Little, old Little me? me? Why? And the officer tells him, for solicitation of murder. And I don't think Leon has spotted Javier standing in his apartment yet. Uh. The whole time they're handcuffing him, he's asking, why is he being arrested? Even though he's been told multiple times. Right. Right outside the front door is Mac, the ex-husband, back from the dead, and he's there to get custody of their daughter who was sleeping in the apartment at the time. from the dead. And that was the last time Valerie saw her daughter. Mm. Valerie and Leon were both charged with hiring a hitman. Leon couldn't get a bond because of the other stalking charges, but four days after the arrest, Valerie bonded out for $50,000, and she went to see her friends. And she wouldn't talk about the charges at all. And it, it just seemed like it was a very surreal experience for all of them. Like, what do you do when your like, good friend who you hold in high esteem has just been charged with hiring a hitman to kill her ex-husband? I just like feel like it really escalated. Like, I was viewing her as like, wow, she's got her life together. She's in River Oak. She's this vet. I, I don't know. And then it's just like all of a sudden now she's at this Olive Garden involved in this higher yeah i think it it just feels like it just was weird that she's like placed there and then yeah it's like well no one's expecting that i know and i wish that i had been able to really dive deep into her audio journal that she left like i listened to clips that they played some at trial and some in the episodes of the shows but it didn't do anything to me to explain and maybe there just is no explanation because yeah. I feel the same way, and we'll kind of get into it a little bit more later, but I just, I wonder what he said to her to manipulate her into this, because I know that that's what that happened. Point. Yeah. Her friends didn't ask a lot of questions, but they just tried to stay positive with her, and... I can't imagine going to happy hour right after this. Like, No, I don't, I think they're just, like, kind of at a house and, like, trying ugh. to just not talk about it, you know, and... Later, after she jumped from the balcony, her friends realized that she had come there to say goodbye. Mm, That's so sad. I know. She wrote her friend Maggie a letter that said that she was so sorry for what she'd done, and she just wasn't strong enough to fight all of the battles ahead. And when they were notified of her death, they were just all devastated. And they, Valerie obviously thinks these two people are dead. Well, now that she's been arrested, I th- she knows that that they're not killed. She knows they're yeah. Not. Okay. Well, and she saw Mac, you know, take her daughter and all that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That audio diary she recorded ended up being her suicide note, where she tried to explain why she'd done what she'd done. She said, "Quote: Try not to judge me. I've always tried to be an honest, kind person. 
It's weird. It wasn't like bam, 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 a progression. Things just gradually happened. I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I want to kill my husband. But I think Leon did wake up one day and say, oh, I want to kill my ex-girlfriend. And he managed to convince Valerie that she was going to lose her daughter unless something happened to Mac. And, you know, it just doesn't seem to matter how educated she was, what a strong support system she had, how kind and caring she'd always been to the people around her. She still fell under his spell. That's just the explanation that makes the most sense to me. Right. Otherwise, I can't understand why Valerie would go along with this. We see it, though. All the time, I feel like, of the love bombing that gets really toxic, and then there's no way out, and you get brainwashed, or you, brainwashed isn't the right word, but you, like, feel like you have no other option than to make the choice that, like, feels forced upon you. I mean, I just feel like it's more... Or, like, we're a team now. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But even in the the women women of Rock... Hampton? Not Rockport. Rockhampton, Rockport's in Texas. Like, this girl... Mm-hmm. has lived in a closet cupboard, <laughs> the girl in the cupboard, like the Indian in the cupboard. And it then is like literally removed from her family from like four or five years or whatever the time. And then goes and marries this man. Like she yeah. is, I just, I don't know. I, I cannot put myself in those shoes, thankfully, but I, I just, I, I, I feel like there's something that I'm missing that I didn't get. Like, you know, I, I can only go so deep mm-hmm. into these cases. And I yeah. wonder if there was some custody thing happening because she owned the clinic and now she was the sole owner because she bought Mac out. So she was financially right. stable. She was like not like there wasn't any reason that she would lose custody of her daughter. So I just wonder if there was something going on. And I don't know a lot about yeah, Mac. Leon was if, if he was like holding something. Yeah, I just, there was some way that he was able to convince her that if she didn't get rid of Mac, and like, why? Because this is something y'all can do together and bond as a couple? Like, (laughs) why? We have a list of other activities we could provide you with. I know. Her friends all agree that Leon is to blame. And they're not saying that Valerie doesn't bear some responsibility, but they're all certain that she wouldn't be where she is now if she hadn't met him. She went from a successful, very beloved vet to hiring a hitman to suicide in just a matter of weeks. But it was, you know, weeks of Leon isolating her from her friends, love bombing her. In her audio diary, Valerie says that Leon was a narcissist, a psychotic narcissist in every sense of the word. But she also says that she knows it's going to make people a lot of or make a lot of people mad. But she loves Leon very much. So I just, I don't think I can get in the head of somebody that both of those things are true. Like, I love this man, but I also know he's a psychotic narcissist. Like, I just, I can't. I don't know how you do that. I don't know. It's it's hard to understand, I think, unless you're in that situation. Yeah. I don't know how you reconcile those two. She met Leon from Leon's mom. Is that right? Yeah, her mom was her divorce. His mom was her divorce attorney and her next door neighbor. Did she say anything? I mean, has there been any? No, I I didn't hear anything about that. I'm sure she has. But again, there's there's so much out there on this case. But there's not like really one like all encompassing source of information. Mm -hmm. So it's like pulling from a lot of different places. And I didn't see anything about her. I didn't look either, though. That's a good question. I should have looked at that. 
Did you say also she jumped from somewhere in River Oaks? Yeah, the seventh story of her River Oaks condo. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. You didn't, I'm surprised I didn't know that. Yeah. In her audio diary, Valerie said that she wasn't doing this, which I believe means the jumping, because of guilt of the accusations, because she said in her heart she would never hurt him. It just got out of control. And the ADA, Samantha Necht, Connect, said she thinks Valerie was in a very vulnerable position when she met Leon and that he influenced and brainwashed her, which must be it. I mean, that has to be it. Yeah. But like she. I just want to know how. I want to know what he had. If it was custody stuff, if there was other like. Yeah. Did she really, truly believe that she loved him and he's like threatening I mean, I don't know. I don't think Leon was threatening her at all. I think he was. I don't think he'd gotten to that point in their relationship yet. I think it was just the manipulation. And she was kind of pliable to him at that point because she was vulnerable because she was going through this divorce and it was very painful divorce for her. But Leon's defense attorney, prominent attorney George Parnum, said that it's actually the opposite that is true. He said that it was Leon that wouldn't be in this whole situation if it weren't for Valerie. What? Yeah, he said that Valerie... It's not even the right order of events. <laughs> right. He said that Valerie was extremely instrumental in this situation that put his client behind bars and that without Valerie, he wouldn't be facing this charge of murder for hire. And Leon said that's... that's very convenient That's probably now. true, Leon says. Yeah, very no. convenient, right? It's very easy for yeah, him. Yeah, she's not here. Valerie is not here to defend herself. He can just as easily shift the blame onto her. Exactly. Leon's trial started in March of 2018. And like I said, you can watch almost the entire thing on YouTube. There are a few videos I use in our sources, but there's the entire trial up there pretty much if you want to watch it. Everyone testified. Practically every ex yeah. Leon has ever had testified to his abusive past. Detective Javier, Taz, Michael Kubash, the bondsman, they all testified. They had all the recorded conversations with Leon and Valerie where he talks about wanting to go through with these plans. As per usual with narcissists, Leon took the stand at his trial and he said, y'all, this is just a big misunderstanding. He testified for two days that he never wanted to hurt Megan. He just wanted her to leave Houston and go back to Pittsburgh. The defense's story was that it was Taz and Detective Javier who entrapped Leon into a murder-for-hire plot because Javier kept saying, let me just kill her for you. Let me just kill her for you. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and Leon did say in the recorded tapes that he didn't want her hurt. He just wanted her gone. But he also told Javier in these recorded tapes to run her off the road, threaten her. And he said, quote, if those options don't work, I don't give a fuck. Then you got to do what you got to do. I need her gone. I think that implies I mean, yeah. killing her. So like, yeah, sure. His first step isn't murder. But it's like, if that's what you got to do, that's what I'm hiring you to do. Yeah, by any means necessary. Right. The trial lasted a week and the jury took just one hour to deliberate. One hour. Before sentencing Leon. That. That's just enough time for everyone to get seated, take roll, right. get to know each other, play a icebreaker activity, <laughs> get back out. Exactly. Before sentencing Leon Jacob to life in prison, he will be eligible for parole after 30 years, which will be in 2047. The defense was arguing for probation. 
What? That's not even I know. realistic. I, I know. Uh, they are. But you're not even doing yourself a favor. Right. They are appealing. Wow. Do you want to hear some of the best stuff to come out of the recorded phone calls from the jail between Leon and his mom? Yes, I kind of hope Olive Garden comes back up. But. It does not. But Leon is hoping that Bradley Cooper plays him in the movie, in the TV movie. Oh. He wasn't even hoping for the big screen. Just Bradley TV. Cooper would never do a TV movie, first of all. At least get him on yeah, Netflix your or sorry something. Ass, Leon. <laughs> He's also trying to get a local ABC reporter to write a screenplay or a book about him. And he told his mom that the reporter is really hot. Oh, so he has like one in mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A specific reporter. He said, I know my wife's dead and I have to mourn her, but this one is really cute. Ew. I know. I know. And that is um, a story. Does he think women are like lining up? To I'm sure he's got fans. They always do, which is just mind boggling. Yeah. Gross. You can't you change really them, women- ladies. And you're not Britney Spears. Okay. <laughs> Mama, I'm in love with a criminal. Oh. I don't know that one. And this kind of love isn't rational, it's physical. <laughs> oh, I, I am. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful rendition that got me up Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, do we have... We've had a lot this episode. Nancy, Brittany, Ugh. Vin Diesel, <laughs> Olive Garden, Taz. I figured I should just bring him... And phone calls from the jail. <laughs> no, phone calls from the jail, yeah. Figured I should Great. just bring out all your favorite things. I know. It's been a day. Well, do we have any shout outs? We sure do. Don't we always? You know why? Because we have patrons and patrons love us and you can get a shout out and become a patron. Well, you got to become a patron to get a shout out, but you become a patron, you sign up, get a shout out at any level. But let me just tell you, the $7 level, you get all the goods too. I mean, the $10 level is obviously where you want to be, but the $7 level, you get the card, you get the sticker, you get the mini creeps, you get the bonus episodes, you get the shout out. I mean, join us. It's super Join fun. us. I was listening to our shout outs from like the episode that's going to drop this week. And do you remember how we like went off on just predicting that girl's like entire life? Oh, yeah. Maddie Tucker. <laughs> Maddie Tucker. She's going to like double shout outs, but Maddie, if you're listening and you haven't, please listen to the shout outs. <laughs> And let us know how close we are. In fact, so don't make me have to put it at the beginning of an episode, Maddie Tucker, because you don't listen, but hopefully you're listening first. But I will follow up. I will circle back on this matter. All right. Who's going first? Oh, no. We got another Maddie Tucker situation. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. Amy Robinson. Thank you so much, Amy, for being a patron. Amy Major Shout. This is you becoming famous adjacent. Famous adjacent, adjacent. <laughs> But I mean, maybe famous. We're not famous oh, yet, so no. Okay, fine. God, ugh. Okay, next up, Mitchell. I wonder if that's just a typo. I feel like there's a little I in between a big M and a big T. I think T. it's a typo. Mitchell, Felix, and Stephanie. Taluchek. Taluchek. You can't be typoing on the, on the name thing. I think that's Mitchell correct. Mitchell Felix. That's like two first names. Mitchell Felix. I love that. Hey, if I get a cat, I might name it Mitchell Felix. Is that fun? Oh, and Felix is the Mitchell perfect Felix. name for a cat. I know, but Mitchell Felix, and you had to call your cat by its Mitchell full Felix full government time. name when he's in trouble. Yeah, Mitchell Felix. <laughs> That's a great name. I know. I might. I might put that on my list of uh, my list of names. <laughs> uh, next up, Courtney Bailey. 
There's Corny a, Bailey. There's another two first names. That uh, yeah, Corny <laughs> Bailey. Let's talk about your life real quick. <laughs> oh, Corny Bailey. Okay. Courtney Bailey started out in Girl Scouts. Oh, then she went yes. off into junior high and got too cool for Girl Scouts. She had one of those like hit clip. Remember those little like things that you put in and played the song? Just like the little bit yes. of the song. Yes. She had those and she would let her friends borrow them in junior high. She was so cool. And, yes. and then obviously went on to like be even cooler. She's like the girl that can like just put the sunglasses right on top of her head and then her oh. hair just looks effortlessly like perfect. Yeah. Yes, never get stuck. <laughs> she never didn't even stuck. have to have braces. Courtney Bailey didn't even need braces. Didn't even need, just got that perfect teeth. I know. That perfect teeth. She sleeps with makeup on, doesn't break out. Doesn't. And it doesn't even no have to breakouts. wash her face. Doesn't even have to wash her. She has She has no skincare routine. She's just effortlessly glowing. She was the one that was able to get the silky pajamas from Limited to, like, <sighs> Before everyone else, and it wasn't, like, too racy. Like, I wasn't allowed to because they were, like, silk pajamas, but she was, like, allowed to, you know? Well, and her entire wardrobe in elementary school was limited to. Yeah, for obviously. sure. Obviously. Ugh. Courtney Bailey. Courtney Bailey. Scale one to ten. How close are we? We're really uh, we're really flattered that somebody so cool <laughs> signed up for our <laughs> I know. Thank you so Whoa. much. <laughs> really love it. All right. Next up, your turn. Oh, I mean, Haley Kura, you also sound so cool. Haley Kura. Thank you so much, Haley. Haley Kura, I love that name. I know. All of you, we love all of you. You're all amazing. I mean, yes. If we didn't guess your whole life story, we do love you as well. And we probably could. We would just be here all night. (laughs) And we're going to, honestly, they're all going to sound the same after a certain, we don't. Our imaginations really only go so far. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, I'm just describing like basic, every basic sorority girl that I <laughs> Like, I really got to I'm going to venture out, but I don't want to offend anyone. Like, what if I don't give someone? I know. I'm only know. like, this is the person I would want to be. <laughs> I know. Maybe I'll start putting some like professions or something in a hat and we'll just draw it out and like build off that. Yes. Yeah. You know? So like someday maybe you're, you're okay. working at the Olive Garden. Maddie Tucker. In other days, you're not. She's obviously like. She's a social media influencer because she's singing country no, songs in Nashville. She's not a social media. No, you're, no, you're, you're mixing her up with Tucker. Courtney Bailey. Courtney Bailey is the social media influencer. Maddie Tucker is. Maddie Tucker was singing in Nashville. No, Maddie Tucker sings in Nashville at night. Her day job is something. She gets her hands a little dirty. Okay. She's okay, like, I'll, let, I'll let it happen. Maybe. Right. You wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> you wear She's gloves. A dental hygienist by day. <laughs> She's a dental hygienist by day. Maddie Tucker, she hates us. If you wear gloves, <laughs> let us know. All right. <laughs> oh my god, we're we're done. We're done. <laughs> Can you imagine? People don't. People quit listening before these are done. That's offensive. <laughs> You're missing out. You can follow us on social media, but you might be better off following Maddie Tucker. <laughs> Wait, does Maddie Tucker follow us? Does, Ma- does does Maddie Tucker or Courtney Bailey follow us on social oh, media? Oh, I'm checking. I'm checking. I'm going to tag them in our story and tell them to listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my if God. They, if they follow us, we are so cool. Maddie Tucker. Oh wait, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not searching our friends. God, you're blowing it. I mean, our followers. Of course, of course, they don't. Maddie, no, no. We got a Maddie Martin. We love you, Maddie Martin. (laughs) And uh, Courtney, 
I feel like Courtney Bailey. <gasps> Courtney Bailey. She's a <gasps> follower. <laughs> she follows us. I'm tagging her. I'm following her back. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate this. This is great. You get you oh, gonna wait. post and say, listen to your shout out? Yeah, follow us on social media. Join our Facebook group. This was a ridiculous night tonight. Oh, good. <laughs> and make sure to tune in next week. And, um, you know, when we'll be telling a whole new story. All right. Just listen. Just give us that rating you know we've earned. Okay? <laughs> For this, rate the whole episode, not this not this segment of content particularly. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye, peeps and creeps.